The Lord of the Rings by J.R.R. Tolkien, continuing the story of The Hobbit. Chapter 6 The Battle of the Pelennor Fields. There was no orc chieftain or brigand that led the assault upon Gondor. The darkness was breaking too soon, before the date that his master had set for it. Fortunate had fortune had betrayed him for the moment, and the world had turned against him. Victory was slipping from his grasp even as he stretched out his hand to seize it, but his arm was long. He was still in command, wielding great powers. King Ringwraith, lord of the Nazgul, he had many weapons. He left the gate and vanished. Theoden, king of the Mark, had reached the road from the gate to the river, and he turned towards a city that was now less than a mile distant. He slackened his speed a little, seeking new foes, and his knights came about him, and Durnhelm was with them. Ahead nearer the walls, Elfhelm's men were among the siege engines, hewing slaying, driving their foes into the fire pits. With well nigh all the northern half of the Pelennor was overrun, and their camps were blazing. Orcs were flying towards the river like herds before the hun hunters, and the roaring went hither and thither at their will. But they had not yet overthrown the siege, nor won the gate. Many foes stood before it, and on the further half of the plain were other hosts still unfought. Southward beyond the road lay the main force of the Herodrim, and there their horsemen were gathered about the standard of the chieftain, of their chieftain. And he looked out, and in their growing light he saw the banner of the king, and that it was far ahead of the battle with few men about it. Then he was filled with a red wrath, and shouted aloud, and displaying his standard, black serpent upon, sar upon scarlet, he came against the white horse and the green with great press of men, and the drawing of his scimitars of the Southrons was like a glitter of stars. Then Theoden was aware of him, and would not wait for his onset, but crying to snowmane, he charged headlong to greet him. Great was the clash of their meeting, but the white fury of the Northmen north burned the hotter, and more skilled was the knighthood with long spears and bitter. Fewer were they, but the clove, but they clove through the southrons like a firebolt in a forest. Right through the press drove Theoden Dangle's son, and his spear was shivered as he threw down the chieftain, outslept his sword, and he spurred to the standard hewed spurred to the standard, hewed staff and bearer, and the black serpent foundered. Then all that was left unslain of their cavalry turned and fled far away. But lo, suddenly in the midst of the glory of the king, his golden shield was dimmed. The new morning was blotted from the sky, dark full about him. Horses reared and screamed. Men cast from the saddle lay groveling on the ground. To me, to me, cried Theoden. Up, you erling ass, fear no darkness, but snow made wild with terror. But Snowmane, wild with terror, stood up on high, fighting with the air. But then, with a great scream, he crashed upon his side. A black dart had pierced him. The king fell beneath him. The great shadow descended like a falling cloud, and behold, it was a winged creature, if bird, then greater than all other birds, and it was naked, and neither quill nor feather did it bear, and its vast pinions were as webs of hide between horned fingers, and it stank. A creature of an older world, maybe it was, whose kind lingering and forgotten mountains cold beneath the moon outstayed their day, and an hideous, airy breed, this last ultimately untimely brood, apt to evil. And the Dark Lord took it and nursed it with fell meats until it grew beyond the measure of all other things that fly. He gave it to his servant to, his ste to be his steed. 
Down, down it came, and then, folding its fingered webs, it gave a croaking cry, and settled upon the body of Snowmane, digging in its claws, stooping in its long, naked neck. Upon it sat a shape, black-mantled, huge and threatening. A crown of steel he bore, but between rim and robe not was there to see, save only a deadly gleam of eyes, the lord of the Nazgul. To the air he had returned, summoning his steed ere the darkness failed, and he had... And he now, and now he was come again, bringing ruin, turning to hope to despair and victory to death. A great black mace he wielded, but Theoden was not utterly forsaken. The knights of his house lay slain about him, or else mastered by the madness of their steeds, were borne far away. Yet one stood there still, Durnholm the young, faithful beyond fear, and he wept for he had loved his horse as a, as a father. Right through the charge, Mary had been borne unharmed behind him until the shadow came, and then when Fola had thrown them in his terror and now ran wild upon the plain, Mary crawled on all fours like a dazed beast, and such a horror was on him that he was blind and sick. King's man, King's man, his heart cried within him. You must stand by him. As a father you shall be to me, you said, but his will made no answer, and his body shook. He dared not to open his eyes or look up. And out of the blackness in his mind, he thought that he heard Durnholm speaking. Yet now the voice seemed strange, recalling some other voice that he had known. Be gone, foul Dwimmer Lake, Lord of the Carrion, leave the dead in peace. A cold voice answered, Come not between the Nazgul and his prey, for he will not slay thee in thy return. He will bear thee away to the houses of lamination beyond all darkness, where thy flesh shall be devoured and thy shriveled mind be left naked to the lidless eye. A sword rang as it was drawn. Do what you will say, but I will hinder it if I may. Hinder me, thou fool, no living man may hinder me. Then Mary heard all of the all sounds in that hour the strangest. It seemed that Durnhelm laughed, and the clear voice was like the ring of steel. But no living man am I. You look upon a woman. You and I am, human's daughter. You stay, you stand between me and my lord, and kin. Be gone, if you be not deathless, for living or dark for living or dark undead, I will smite you if you touch him. The winged creature screamed at her, but the ringwraith made no answer, and was silent, as if in sudden doubt. Very amazement for a moment conquered Mary's fear. He opened his eyes, and the blackness was lifted from them. There, some paces from him, sat the great beast, and seemed all dark about it, and above it loomed the Nazgul lord like a shadow of despair. A little to the left facing them stood she whom he had called Durnhelm, but the helm of her secrecy had fallen from her, and her bright hair released from its bonds, gleamed with pale gold upon her shoulders. Her eyes, gray as the sea, were hard and fell, and yet tears were on her cheek. A sword was in her hand, and she raised her shield against the horror of her enemy's eyes. You and it was, and Durnholm also, for into Mary's mind flashed the memory of the face that he saw at the writing from Dunharrow, the face of one that goes seeking death, having no hope. Pity filled his heart in great wonder, and suddenly the slow-kindled courage of his race awoke. He clenched his hand. She should not die, so fair, so desperate. At least she should not die alone, unaided. The face of their enemy was not turned towards him, but still he hardly dared to move, dreading lest the deadly eyes should fall on him. 
slowly slowly he began to crawl aside but the black captain in doubt and malice intent upon the woman before him heeded him no more than a worm in the mud suddenly the great beast beat its hideous wings and the wind of them was foul again it leaped into the air and then swiftly fell down upon ewan shrieking striking with beak and claw still she did not blench maiden of the roarum child of kings slender but as a steel blade fair yet terrible a swift stroke she dealt skilled and deadly the outstretched neck she clove asunder and the hewn head fell like stone backwards she sprang as the huge shape crashed to ruin vast wings outspread crumpled on the earth and with its fall the shadow passed away a light fell about her and her hair shone in the sunshine out of the wreck rose the black rider tall and threatening towering over her with a cry of hatred that stung the very ears like venom he he let fall his mace her shield was shivered in many pieces and her arm was broken she stumbled to her knees he bent over and he bent over her like a cloud and his eyes glittered he raised his mace to kill but suddenly he too stumbled forward with a cry of bitter pain and his stroke went wide diving driving into the ground Mary's sword had stabbed him from behind, shearing through the black mantle, and passing up beneath the hauberk, had pierced the sinew behind his mighty knee. Ewan! Ewan! cried Mary. Then, tiring, struggling up with her last strength, she drove her sword between crowd and mantle, as the great shoulders bowed before her. The sword broke, sparkling into many shards. The crown rolled away with a clang. Ewan fell forward upon her fallen foe. But, lo, the mantle and hauberk were empty shapeless they lay now on the ground torn and tumbled and a cry went up into the shuddering air and fitted to a shrill wailing passing with the wind a voice bodiless that then that and bodiless and thin that died and was swallowed up and was never heard again in that age of this world and there stood mary dock the hobbit in the midst of the slain blinking like an owl in the daylight for tears blinded him and though a mist and through a mist he looked at Ewan's fair head, as she lay and did not move, and he looked on the face of the king, fallen in the midst of his glory, for Snowman and his agony had rolled from him again, yet he was the bane of his master. Then Mary stooped and lifted his head to kiss it, and lo, Theoden opened his eyes, and there they, and they were clear, and he spoke in a quiet voice, through la though labored. Farewell, Master Obilta, he said. My body is broken, I go to my father's, and even in their mighty company I shall not now be ashamed. I felt the black serpent, a grim morn, and a glad day, and a gold sunset. Mary could not speak, but wept anew. Forgive me, Lord, he said, at last, if I broke your command, and yet have done no more in your service than to weep at our parting. The old king smiled. Grieve not, it is forgiven, great heart will not be denied. Live now in blessedness, and when you sit in peace with your pipe, think of me, for never now shall I visit you and med you sell as I promised, or listen to your herb lore. He closed his eyes, and Mary bowed beside him. Presently he spoke again. Where is Eomer? For my eyes darken, and I would see him ere I go. He must be king after me, and I would send word to Ewan. She, she would have not me leave her, and I now shall not see her again, dearer than daughter. Lord, Lord, began Mary brokenly, she is, but at that moment there was a great clamor, and all about them horns and trumpets were blowing. Mary looked round, he had forgotten the war and all the world beside, and many hours it seemed since the war, since the king rode to his fall, though in truth it was only a little while. 
but now he saw that they were in danger of being caught in the very midst of the great battle that would soon be joined new forces of the enemy were hastening up the road from the river and from and from under the walls came the legions of morgul and from the southward fields came footmen of harad with horsemen before them and behind them rose the huge backs of the mumikil with war towers upon them but northward the white crest of eomer led the great front of the rowan which he had again gathered and marshalled and out of the city came all of the strength of men that was in it and the silver swan of dull amroth was born in the van driving the enemy from the gate for a moment the thought flitted through mary's flitted through mary's mind where is gandalf is he not here could he not have saved the king and ewan but thereupon eomer rode upon in haste but thereupon eomer rode up in haste and with him came their horses they looked in wonder at the carcass of the fell beast that lay there and their steeds would not go near the eomer leaped from the saddle and grief and dismay fell upon him as he came to the king's side and stood there in silence then one of the knights took the king's banner from the hand of guthlaf the banner-bearer who lay dead and he lifted it up slowly theoden opened his eyes seeing the banner he made a sign that it should be given to eomer hail king of the mark he said ride to the victory bid you and farewell and so he died and knew not that ewan lay near him and those who stood by wept crying theoden king theoden king but eomer said to them mourn not overmuch mighty was the fallen meet was his ending when his mound is raised woman then shall weep war now calls us yet he himself wept as he spoke let knights remain let his knights remain here he said and bear his body in honour from the field lest the battle ride over it yea and all the all these other of the king's men that lie here and he looked at the slain recalling their names then suddenly he beheld his sister ewan as she lay and he knew her he stood a moment as a man who was pierced in the midst of a cry by an arrow through the heart and then his face went deathly white and a cold fury rose in him so that all his speech failed him for a while a fey mood took him ewan ewan he cried at last ewan how come you are here what madness or devilry is this death 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 take us all then without taking counsel or waiting for the approach of the men of the city he spurred headlong back to the front of the great host and blew a horn and cried aloud for the onset over the field rang his clear voice calling death ride ride to ruin and the world's ending and with that the host began to move but the roarums sang no more death they cried with one loud voice and terrible and gathering speed like a great tide their battle swept about the fallen ki their fallen king and passed roaring away southwards and still meridoc the hobbit stood there blinking through his tears and no one spoke to him indeed none seemed to heed him he brushed away the tears and stooped to pick up the green shield that ewan had given him and he slung it at his back then he looked for a sword that he had let fall for even as he struck his blow his arm was numbed and now he could only use his left hand and behold there lay his weapon but the blade was smoking like a dry branch that had been thrust in a fire and as he watched it it writhed and withered and was consumed so passed the sword of the barrow downs work of westerness but glad would he have been to know its fate who wrought it slowly long ago in the north kingdom when the dunedain were young and chief among 
among their foes was the dread realm of Angmar and its sorcerer king. No other blade, not though mightier hands had wielded it, would have dealt that foe a wound so bitter, cleaving in the undead flesh, breaking the spell that knit his unseen sinews to his will. Men now raised the king, and laying cloaks upon spear truncheons, they made shift to bear him towards the city, and others lifted Ewan gently up, and bore after, bore her after him. But the men of the king's household, they could not yet bring from the field, for seven of the king's knights had fallen there, and Diorwine, their chief, was among them. So they laid them apart from their foes, and the fell beasts, and set spears about them. And afterwards, when all was over, men returned and made a fire there, and burned the carcass of the beast. But for Snowmane they dug a grave, and set up a stone upon which was carved in the tongues of Gondor and the Mark. Faithful servant, ser faithful servant, yes, master's babe, lightfoot's full, swift Snowmane. Green and long grew the grass on Snowmane's howl, but ever black and bare was the ground where the beast was burned. Now slowly and sadly Mary walked beside the bearers, and he gave no more heed to the battle. He was weary and full of pain, and his lips trembled as with a chill. A great rain came out of the sea, and it seemed that all things wept for Theoden and Ewan, quenching their fires in the city with great tears. It was though through a mist that presently he saw the van of the men of Gondor approaching. Imrahil, prince of Dol Amroth, rode up and drew rain before them. What burden do you bear, men of Rohan? he cried. Theoden king, they answered. He is dead, but Eomer king now rides in the battle, he with the white crest in the wind. Then the prince went from his horse and knelt by the bier, bier in honor of the king and his great onset, and he wept. And rising, he looked then on Ewan and was amazed. Surely here is a woman, he said. Have ever the women of the royal room come to war in our need? Nay, only one, they answered. The Lady Ewan is she, sister of Eomer, and we knew not of her riding until this hour, and greatly we rue it. Then the prince, seeing her beauty, though her face was pale and cold, touched her hand as he bent to look more closely on her. Men of Rohan, he cried, and there are no leeches among you? She is hurt to the death, maybe, and I deem that she yet lives and he held her bright burnished vambrance that was upon his arm before her cold lips, and behold, a little mist was laid on it hardly to be seen. Haste now is needed, he said, and he sent one of one riding back swiftly to the city to bring aid, but he, bowing low to the fallen, bade them farewell, and mounting rode away into battle. And now the fighting waxed furious on the fields of the Pelennor, and the din of arms rose upon high, with the crying of men and the neighing of horses. Horns were blown, and trumpets were braying, and the Mumakil were bellowing as they were goaded to war. Under the south walls of the city, the footmen of Gondor now drove against the legions of Morgul that were still gathered there in strength. But the horsemen rode eastward to the Sussor of Eomer, here in the tall, warden of the keys, and the lord of Losnarch and Hiroloon of the Green Hills, and Prince Imrahil, the fair with his knights all about him. Not too soon came their aid to the royal room, for fortune had turned against Eomer, and his fury had betrayed him. Their great wrath on, of his onset had utterly overthrown the front of his enemies, and great wedges of his riders had passed clear through the ranks of the south runs, discomfiting their horsemen and riding their footmen to ruin. 
But wherever the Mumikil came, there, there the horses would not go, but blenched and swerved away, and the great monsters were unfought, and stood like towers of defense, and the Haradrim rallied about them. And if the roaring were at their onset, that were thrice outnumbered by the Haradrim once, soon their case became worse, for new strength came now streaming to the field out of Osgiliath. There they had been mustered for the sack, for the sack of the city and the rape of Gondor, waiting on the call of their captain. He now was destroyed, but Gothmog, the lieutenant of Morgul, had flung them into the fray, erst easterlings with axes and variags of Khand, Southrons and Scarlet, and out of far Harad, black men like half trolls with white eyes and red tongues. Some now hastened up behind the royal room, others held westward to hold off the forces of Gondor and prevent their joining with Rohan. It was even as the day thus began to turn against Gondor, and their hope wavered that a new cry went up in the city. It being them, it being then mid-morning, and a great wind blowing, and the rain flying north, and the sun shining. In that clear air, watchmen of the wall saw far a new sight of fear, and their last hope left them. For Anduin, from the bend at the Harland, so flowed that from the city men could look down and lengthwise for some leagues, and that the far-sighted could see any ships that approached. And looking thither, they cried in dismay, for black against the glittering stream they beheld a fleet borne upon the wind, drummons and ships of great draught with many oars, and with, that, and with black sails bellying in the breeze. The Corsairs of Umbar, men shouted, the Corsairs of Umbar, look, the Corsairs of Umbar coming, so Belfalas is taken, and the Ethor and Lebanon is gone, but the Corsairs are upon us, it is the last stroke of doom. And some without order, for none could be found to command them in the city, ran to the bells and told the alarm, and some blew the trumpets, sounding the, the retreat. Back to the walls, they cried, back to the walls, come back to the city, before all are overwhelmed. But the wind that sped the ships blew all their clamor away. The Rorim had no need of news or alarm. All too well they could see the, for themselves the black sails, for Eomor was now scarcely a mile from the Harland, and a great press of his first foes was between him and the haven there, while new foes came swirling behind, cutting him off from the prince. Now he looked to the river, and hope died in his heart. And the wind that he had blessed that he had blessed he now called accursed but the hosts of mordor were enheartened and filled with a new lust and fury they came yelling to the onset stern now was eomer's mood and his mind clear again he let blow the horns to rally all men to his banner that could come thither for he thought to make a great shield wall at the last and stand and fight there on foot till it all fell and do deeds of song to the see, deeds of songs on the fields of pelinor though no man should be left in the west to remind to remember the last king of the mark so he rode to a green hillock and there set his banner and the white horse ran rippling in the wind out of doubt out of dark the days rising i came singing in the sun sword unsheathing to hopes and i rode into hearts breaking now for wrath now for ruin and a red nightfall these staves he spoke yet he laughed as he said them for once more lust of battle was on him, and he was still unscathed, and he was young, and he was king, the lord of a fell people. And lo, even as he laughed at despair, he looked out again on the black ships, and he lifted his sword up to defy them. And then wonder took him, and a great joy, and he cast his sword up in the sunlight, and sang as he caught it, 
and all eyes followed his gaze and behold upon the foremost ship a great standard broke and the wind displayed it as she turned towards the harland there flowered a white tree and with and that was for gondor but seven stars were about it and a high crown above it the signs of ellendale this that no lord had borne for years beyond count and the stars flamed in the sunlight for they were wrought of gems by arwen daughter of elrond and the crown was brought the the crown was bright in the morning for it was wrought of mithril and gold thus came aragorn son of arthorn elisor isildur's heir and out of the paths of dead borne upon a wind from the sea to the kingdom of gondor and the mirth of the roaring was a torrent of laughter and a flashing of swords and the joy and wonder of the city was the music of trumpets and ringing of bells but the host it but the host of mordor was seized with bewilderment and a great wizardry it seemed to them that their own ships should be filled with the with their foes and a black dread fell on them knowing that the tides of fate had turned against them and their doom was at hand east rode the knights of dull amroth driving the enemy before them trollmen and variags and orcs that hated the sunlight south strode eomer and men fled before his face and they were caught between the hammer and the anvil for now men leaped from the ships to the quays of the harland and swept north like a storm there came legolas and gimli wielding his axe and helberad with the standard and eladin and el el elrohir with the stars of their brow and the door-handed dunedain rangers of the north leading a great valor of the folk of lebanon and lambdon and the fiefs of the south but before all went argon with the flame of the west andrew like a new fire kindled narsil reforged as deadly as of old and upon his brow was the star of elendil and so at strength eomer and aragorn met in the midst of the battle and they leaned on their swords and looked on one another and were glad thus we meet again though all horse of mortar lay between us said aragorn did i not say so at the hornburg so you spoke said eomer but, uh, but hope oft deceives and i knew not then that you were a man foresighted yet twice will yet twice blessed is help and looks for and never was a meeting of friends more joyful and they clasped hand in hand no nor indeed more timely said eomer you come none too soon my friend much loss and sour has fallen us then let us adventure ere we speak of it said aragorn and they rode back to battle together hard fighting and long labor they had still for the southlands were both men and grim and fierce in despair and the easterlings were strong and war hardened and asked for no quarter and so in this place and that by burned homestead or barn upon hillock or mound under wall or on field so they gathered and rallied and fought until the day wore away then the sun was then the sun went at last behind mendolian and filled all the sky with a great burning so that the hills and the mountains were were dyed as with blood fire glowed in the river and the grass of the pelinor was red in the nightfall and in that hour the great battle of the field of gondor was over and not one living foe was left within the circuit of the ramus all were slain save those who fled to die or to drown in the red foam of the river few ever came eastward to morgul or mordor and to the land of the haradrim came only a tale from far off a rumor of the wrath and terror of gondor argorn and eomer and imrahil rode back towards the gate of the city and they were now weary beyond joy or sorrow 
These three were unscathed, for such was their fortune in the scale and might of their arms, and few indeed had dared to abide them or look on their faces in the hour of their wrath. But many others were hurt or maimed or dead upon the field. The axes hewed forelong as he fought alone, alone and unhorsed, and both Doolin of Morthund and his brother were trampled to death when they assailed the Mumikil, leading their bowmen close to shoot at the eyes of the monsters. Neither Hirloon and the fair would return to Pinnith Gilin, nor Grimbold to Grimslade, nor, Halb nor Halbarad to the Northlands, door-handed ranger. No few had fallen, renowned or nameless, captain or soldier, for it was a great battle, and the full count of it had, full count of it no tale has told. So long after Maker and Rohan said in his song of the mounts of Mundberg, we heard of the horses in the hills ringing, the sword shining in the south kingdom, steeds went shouting to the stoning land, as when in the morning war was kindled. There Theoden fell, thangling mighty to his golden halls and green pastures, in the north fields never returning, high lord of the host. Harding and Guthlaf, Dunhir and Deerwine, Doughty Grimbold, Henfara and Hugh Bart, Brand, Horn and Fastred, fought and fell there and fart in a far country in the mounds of mundberg under nip under mold they lie with their league fellows lords of gondor neither hirloon the fair to the hills by the sea nor furlong the old to the flowering vales ever to arnach to his own country returned in triumph nor the tall bowmen dirfin and duelin to their dark waters mirrors of morthond under mountain shadows Death in the morning at day's end, lords took and lowly. Long now they sleep under the grass in Gondor by the great river. Gray now as tears, gleaming silver. Red then it rolled, roaring water. Foam died with blood flamed at sunset. As beacons mountains burned at evening, red fell the dew in Ramis Echor. <laughs>